HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have my awesome bartender buddy, Kevin Ditton, from WD50 in New York City, as well as an awesome band called The Crooners. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Damon. Sure, it's nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, actually, uh, before we get into some of the, the bar talk, um, you were telling me before the show that your first album for The Crooners was recorded actually on this block. That's right, just across the street. The uh, the thing about coming out here to Roberta's, it's such a, a great spot. Uh, my memories of this, uh, when I moved up from Philadelphia in 2005, uh, the guys in my band had moved across the street to 250 Moore Street to uh, open a little uh, live-work home studio. And uh, we cut our first uh, all-original record there, and there was nothing on this block. Uh, we got our, our van stolen from across the block right in front of Roberta's here. So I guess that's something. <laughs> and it's funny to see how everything's changed, right? I think it's all for the better. This is a great spot. Uh, the charm, you can argue one way or the other about what's more authentic or, you know, I remember when, but I think it's ultimately good for the neighborhood. There's a lot more places for young people to live a lot of uh, cool stuff going on out here yeah absolutely and speaking of those changes um you're working at wd50 with uh you know wiley dufresne that guy i don't know if anyone's ever heard of him um but uh <laughs> so speaking on that subject of change i mean you guys are doing a lot of like more like molecular focused uh the food obviously has always been that way but uh, again, with change, your bar program has been evolving into something very new as well. Can you give us a rundown on what's going on there? Sure. I, You know, the restaurant has been around for nine years. Uh, prior to that, he was 71 Clinton Fresh Foods across the street. And everything that he's been doing has been forward thinking, but also very rooted in the neighborhood, which I think is 
part and parcel with with what's happening across the board. Um, Clinton Street is not Brooklyn, but you know, ten years ago, nine years ago, it was uh, certainly a hinterland of Manhattan, and to open a three star restaurant. Michelin star restaurant in that space to be doing what he was doing, uh, I think sort of paved the way for a lot of what's happening out here now. Let's go into a, a neighborhood that's not <clears throat> the first place that you would assume something like that is going to be, create something and, you know, build a ballpark and hope that they will come. And for the last nine years, we've been extremely fortunate that they have come. I came at a point nine years in or eight years and 30 something days in to uh replace a guy that had been there since day one and um they've had such legendary names in there in the food business real pioneers real people that are are both super cool but we're also pushing the envelope for american cuisine so i'm extremely honored and humbled to be working with those folks uh what we're doing now uh sort of goes along with what's happening across the board, I think, anyway, in something we talked about earlier. Culinarily, across the board, the beverage program has come to be more than just your the wines that you offer. Like, every big-name space has to have a beverage director. They have to have someone that's really driving the cocktail program. There's an expectation that you have X number of spirits, that you know how to make a certain canon of classic drinks, and then that you can provide the the modern twist that WD is known for in light of all that. So it's it's been cool. But it's a lot harder than just pouring stuff in a glass and saying, this is new. Because yeah. that's been done for 100 years. So Totally. Nice Field of Dreams reference, by the way. Uh, <laughs> me, me and Costner share a first name. <laughs> that's true. So with that being said, I mean... You know, obviously, you said that there was this certain canon of classic drinks and then taking uh, a modern twist onto them, which I think is like the best jumping ground. Like, that's the best platform to jump off of uh, as far as creating new and exciting cocktails. You know, like, especially with. Well, first of all, we should say that, you know, every bartender should know how to make the classics and know them well. And, you know, even outside of the standard recipes that we find in, you know, a century old book, knowing that like, you know what, this might be better with a little bit more citrus or maybe an extra dash of bitters in this Manhattan or, you know, like taking your own creative control or classic control on that cocktail to make it appropriate for the modern era. Um, with that in mind, you know, taking things like, you know, French 75 and tweaking it with different recipes. And as Phil Ward would say, you know, playing Mr. Potato Head, you <laughs> know, and that's how you come up with these new cocktails. Um, but you guys uh, have, obviously there, you have a much more involved approach to that. It's, I'd say the approach is mainly look at the things that we hold true, the things that we know, if this is what... A dirty martini is or this is what mac and cheese is or this is what uh whatever classic is and say what are the component parts what is the thing about it that makes it timeless and interesting and then turn it on its head i i can give an, a specific example sure with something that's on the menu now um i had the the privilege of listening to uh, dale de talk about a dirty martini and why he would never order one and if you've never heard 
this talk from Dale. You know, he's yeah, the grandfather of of modern mixology, or the father. He'd probably hate being called grandpa. <laughs> but um, he said he gave, and it's hard to to describe it without letting you see the hand motions. But he said, "You know why I won't drink a dirty martini? Because the bartender comes in and he kind of scratches his butt." And then he says, uh, you know, i got to set up. And then, you know, he scratches his head and puts his finger in his nose. And then he pulls out that jar of olives. I hope not. <laughs> this, this is all Dale's yeah, moves here. Totally. And, and then he sticks that filthy hand in the jar of olives and pours, pulls it out, puts it in the thing that sits there unrefrigerated for 11 and a half hours. And he's like, do you really want to drink that? And for me, it's, do you want to pour salt water in that nice ginger vodka that you're spending all this money on? I think it's just gross as could be. So what we did, uh, or what I did with the program was, all right, this is a drink that I wanted to call it the inevitable Friday night because people (laughs) are going to order these things and they love them and you can't, you know, shit on people because they love a certain drink, but how can we make it better? How can we raise the expectation? So... Uh, I blanched the olives to get as much of the salt out as possible because that's, to me, the unhealthy and gross part and the weird part. Um, and then we blend the olives with Spanish olives with vodka and Kalamata olives with gin to give you some some variety. And then uh, we have a medical-grade centrifuge, like every other bar, that we can <laughs> spin out all the solids. And what you're left with is this uh, green or purple-tinted spirit that tastes like olives but doesn't taste like salt and then i finished the uh the vodka martini with a little dollop of pimenton oil so it looks like a little 2d olive on top of the martini glass and to me that's saying we're respectful of the past we're respectful of what people love we just want to slightly skew it so you can have it in a different way and maybe open your eyes up to something that's completely different that the average person would have never necessarily thought of but they are they can enjoy sure and do you find though especially working in a place like wd50 um do you find that people are ordering more off the cocktail list rather than just ordering their standard like dirty martini or do you even offer do you even have brine around for that the way that i approach bartending generally is if you know what you like and you want what you like then by God, you should have what you like. And so I try to keep those things around so we can do any standards, any classics. You know, I won't put sugar on the rim of a lemon drop, but by God, I'll make you a lemon drop. If that's what you love and this is your big night out and you're spending the dough for it, have whatever you want. It doesn't, I don't have an ego about that. What I want is to offer something that people that are in for the experience can find something new or find something interesting that that lives up to what the food is doing because the food is really driving the bus there i'm just <clears throat> happy to work with such big brain people that devote so much time to creating really interesting culinary experiences absolutely and speaking of the the culinary side of it um do you when coming up with cocktails do you do you present recipes that are meant to pair with the food yeah i i think that i draw a lot of inspiration from the menu because it should all make sense you know when it we have a lot of first-time diners a lot of people that are coming in from uh out of the country from different parts of the u.s they see wiley on tv and they want to see the simpsons (laughs) (laughs) well that's funny you mentioned that because i've got a uh the vodka martini that i mentioned 
You remember when Bart used to prank call Moe's yeah. and he'd say, I'm whatever? So that drink's called the Oliver Close Off, which is one of Bart's <laughs> prank calls. Nice. Um, we just started putting uh, beet juice pickled eggs on the bar in, in you know, reference to uh, Moe's Tavern with <laughs> the jar of pickled eggs. If anybody wants one, they can have one. It's free. But, you know. It's free? I love pickled eggs. I do too. I do too. They're not good for you. No, they're not. <laughs> um, you know, I think that uh, <laughs> pickled eggs. My mom made pickled eggs. I was just back in Kansas, and he made a whole mess of pickled eggs, and I ate the whole thing. That's right. I forgot we're we're old state neighbors. <laughs> yeah, the middle of the country. If you were to spin around and play pin the tail on the donkey, you could probably hit Damon or I's spot more likely than you're going to hit New York City. So we got that going for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Suck that, New York. <laughs> um, but insofar as stuff on the menu, like we've got a dish right now. Uh, called uh, pho gras that's a classical uh interpretation of vietnamese noodle soup but it's made with a fried foie gras consomme that's out of this world it's really you know it's a shame how much foie gras goes into that stock because so so much deliciousness is packed into it so i'm like i don't want to make something that's going to taste the exact same but look at the the condiments that come along with pho you've got lime and jalapenos and and thai basil so all that all those ingredients go into a uh uh cryovac machine with some gin and uh all that goodness gets sucked into it and we do a gibson with uh a sriracha pickled onion so all the elements of the condiment plate that go into pho that's uh, a cocktail on the menu it's called the pho cup <laughs> nice that's great. I mean, you know, a lot of times on this show we've talked about how, or some some guests will come on and say that you know, the cocktails, the cocktails don't necessarily classically pair with food, and that you know it's always like wine or even beer, you know, or a spirit. But I think like, I think a lot of people are wrong about that. I think that cocktails can pair with food exactly like what you were just saying. That's that's a great way of looking at it, and you know, there's always a way to make anything work. It might take, you know, a couple of t- a couple of shots or like 50 times to like figure it out, but you can make cocktails work with food. Yeah, and God bless Wiley for being so patient. You know, he's a guy like when the Beatles and the Stones used to cut uh early tracks in the early 60s, they do the same song 40 times. And that sounds mind-numbing and awful, but the same is true for what Wiley's doing with beverages. It's like, let's try it every possible way with every possible spirit until it's the best it could be. And, you know, it takes a, uh, a very patient owner who is willing to let you really explore those possibilities. So it's right rather than expedient. Right. And, um, so I'm, I'm very psyched to be working with someone who is okay with that. Uh, it's a luxury that a lot of people in smaller places can't afford. Right. And most of the time it's about liquor costs, you know, and food costs. You know, you don't want to try it a billion times because you're like, all right, we're wasting materials. But but if you actually go through that that process and figure it out and make it right, then it just makes it that much better. And then you recoup your your costs and then it's good and consistent like if i was to drink every mistake that i ever made then i'd be long dead but (laughs) it's it's part of the process to make those mistakes and to figure it out and i would say uh sort of going back to what we were talking about before big restaurant groups that are that are doing great cocktail programs that are doing uh 
uh, stellar bar programs there with groups, uh, Evan Freeman and, uh, with Michael White. Um, Danny Meyer, I think, has always been very supportive of a bar program. I got my start in New York as head bartender at Tabla, and Floyd Cardoz, who was the chef there, was so good about um, being a part of that creation process and teaching me what he knew. Uh, I've learned more from great chefs than I have from anybody other than um, from Jeff Anson, who just came back from Chicago. He's over at uh, Reynard's now. Uh, that guy taught me everything I know about classic bartending. And from that, you're standing on the shoulder of so many giants that had been doing this for a century and were rediscovering it and tailoring it to a modern palette and, and hopefully pushing it forward in a good direction. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, um, how do you feel, like, where do you see um, cocktail programs with restaurants, like, around the country? Do you get to travel a lot and see, like, what different people are doing? Some, and the thing is, I, I would say when I started, it was, um, I was kind of afraid to drink pe- other people's drinks because they were just learning, but now I think the learning curve is such that everybody's doing really good drinks, and the competition is, I mean... I guess it's not a competition, but it feels that way to a certain extent. People are doing really cool stuff, yeah. and I'm excited to be out and see what other people's do. It really challenges, you know, your your cleverness to come up with something that would inspire others. Yeah, and with that being said, um, we'll we'll hit this more uh, after the break. But with that being spe- uh, said, about the inspiration, um, especially playing in a band, you know, I always say that I draw a lot of my inspiration from music. Uh, when I'm coming up with drinks, uh, we should definitely talk about that. Uh, you know, obviously we get inspiration from all directions, especially with the cuisine on the menu and, uh, just the surroundings of being an awesome city and traveling around and seeing other people's bar programs, seeing how people are growing in the scene as well. Um, but definitely on the music side, that's where I get a lot of my inspiration. Well, that's the good life. That's the good life. (laughs) Speaking of that, we'll be right back after this break and we'll talk more about the good life. grass-fed beef pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef free-range, sustainably produced humane 
First Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, the authentic flavor of the American West. And we are back. You just heard On My Way by the Crooners, Kevin's band. We're, list- we're speaking with Kevin Denton here today. We were just talking about uh, WD-50 and restaurant and bar programs coming into sync and actually uh, working in harmony together. You know, we talk sometimes on the show about how, like, there's always this uh, animosity between, like, the front and back of the house, but it should be, like, one concise unit, you know, and, like, coming together and really making it happen all together. And it's starting to happen. You're starting to see more and more of that, especially with, like, restaurant bars, you know. Well, booze is the key because cooks love booze. They sure do. I worked a... uh, uh, a James Beard uh, night on Monday with Brad Thomas Parsons. He's past guest of the show. He wrote the book Bitters, and it was uh, with Mark Forgione uh, as the chef. And I think I made more drinks for the kitchen staff than I did for the guests oh, yeah. attending. But um, that being said, uh, we, right before the the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, seeing different people's bar programs with restaurants and seeing how they're especially traveling around seeing how people use different regional ingredients and whatnot. Uh, there are so many interesting things that are going on around the country. And like you said before, you know, there are, there were times when you'd be kind of wary to try like a new place's drinks because you're like, ah, maybe they don't know exactly what they're doing yet. You know, we'll wait a little while, but we're getting to a point where it's like, you can go anywhere or most places, especially in this city and get some really cool drinks. And, just like with food, you there 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 are certain ingredients that have classically always been paired together. You know, I mean, you could say it's like peanut butter and jelly, or you could say you know, I you know, like you said before, mac and cheese. But then even on a more, uh, I guess, like healthier or classier side, I mean, like cucumber watermelon, they work really well together. Yeah, I hear cocktail bodega is all. A- that's their thing. It's another lower, lower east sidebar that just opened. They're doing like wheatgrass and whiskey shots, mm-hmm. which I've always thought it would be a genius idea to figure out with a nutritionist what you could drink that would curb your hangover while drinking heavily sure. such that you could balance the two out. Sure. I find that just sleeping till noon is the best way to balance that out. <laughs> Haven't had a hangover in months. Absolutely. Um that being said, you know, like with regional ingredients, you know, your band, the crooners, you guys go on tour quite a bit. I mean, I, last time I saw you guys play was done at Tales of the Cocktail um, in New Orleans. But what are some of the things that you've seen like around not only the United States, but around the world that that you find really interesting as far as like cocktail ingredients and culinary ingredients? You know, if there was a thing that I could do if I could snap my fingers and have my dream job, it would be going around with the band uh the band got started in 2001 in Paris playing on the street, and uh, our uh, late washtub bass player, Niles, brought us over there and said, this is this is the life busking and millionaires have the best life there is. And what we did was democratize uh, the art that we were making. So we would set up in bougie neighborhoods in Paris and play, and people would respond really well, and they would take care of us monetarily. And then we got, because of that, we got to go to a lot of other places uh, in and around Europe and the U.S. And every place has a drinking culture. Every place, um, if I found anything in my travels, it's that most people are are very similar, and they have similar uh, temperaments, 
there's good people and bad people everywhere you go and seeing how they celebrate and how they enjoy themselves and the the rituals surrounding what they drink and how they enjoy themselves is it's not only fascinating it's just it should make you uh much more of a it sounds corny to say but a global citizen like you you start to understand that people are the same around the world uh except for a few places and then you understand what makes them happy and how they enjoy themselves and you can do the same thing um i try to have bringing it back i try to have spirits from around the world on our back bar that someone from spain that wants to have pacharan at the end of a meal they can have that someone uh from the mediterranean from the middle east if they want a rack at the end of their meal they can have that because um, i enjoy figuring out what other people like to drink from around the world and if at the end of a great experience they're like let's have shots of this and if I have it, then that's going to only add to it. And it's yeah, going to say, I understand where you're coming from. I want to be hip to where you're coming from. That way we can all get along together. And, you know, for a long time, I was I was very fortunate to go to a good school and to study. I studied urban planning and did it for a little while. But the thing that I really learned in school was how um, the coming together of people with food and music and drink that was when i was always the happiest that's when i experienced people at their best and the most relaxed and the most comfortable having a conversation disagreeing like it it was really remarkable to see how those went together and i've always been hard pressed to choose which one i'm going to pick is it going to be uh food and beverage or is it going to be music and i think they go so well together they they're made for one another yeah. And if you can do both of them, I, as I've been fortunate enough to do, I thank my lucky stars that I've been lucky enough to do this, that the gigs keep getting better, uh, both on the on the booze side and on the music side. I'm a very lucky guy that I get to do both. And it, the end result for my quote-unquote labor is people having a great time. Yeah. What's better than that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel the exact same way, you know, especially this whole summer has been for me personally, and we've gotten to see a lot of each other over the summer, both musically and on the uh, the food and beverage side. And really, it's about like promoting a celebratory life or celebrating actual living. You know, it's like, and but- here you can do it all the time. You know, there's enough people that in a small town you come together and over festivals and uh, occasions. But here, there's always something going on, and if you truly enjoy what you're doing which i think that both of us do then you can uh i'm doing a little pop-up dinner this evening at fat that with the chef de cuisine at the restaurant uh i'm playing a, a wedding at the end of the month for a guy uh jay zimmerman who's got a bar out here in williamsburg called basic yeah jay he's been on the show great dude super really the funny. best dude he taught me one of the best high fives ever the cobra the cobra <laughs> <laughs> totally so good but it's you know, this is the best job in the world for so many reasons. And because I get to do both, because uh, it, it's work, you know, it, it requires getting up in the morning and doing things. Um, well, no one, no one moved to this city to chill out, you know. Yeah, we if you did, to, that was wrong. <laughs> moved here to kick some ass. And it's nice to be able to do that and to be able to do it with such a diverse group of talented people. You know, everybody that I encounter in this city is so good at what they do and they're so smart and they're so um, intimidating in, in some ways, but also if you're 
if you love what you're doing and you're doing it for the right reason, then you you gain from everybody in this in this business. Yeah. They're all jolly, good, good-hearted people. Yeah. Well, speaking of both of those together, you know, I always say that I get a lot of inspiration from, and I do, I get a lot of inspiration for my cocktails from music, and then also a lot of inspiration to write music from you know the people I meet or the travels that I have from working in the food and beverage industry. So do those things, I mean, obviously say they go really well together. Do they ever like intertwine like with your music and uh, like the cocktails, drinks thing? I would be remiss not to be a shameless self-promoter right now. I got a, <laughs> I got a tune on my record on, on iTunes now, Denton, <laughs> the sea under the city. It's a tune called Campari and Soda, which I think is very much about that. And I've listened to, to your tunes and it's, a, it's lifestyle. It's writing about what you know. And I think that um, from the perspective of do I draw inspiration, I draw inspiration from everything around me. I'd say if I was looking for a cocktail name, I'd go to my record collection first. Sure. And um, I think tequila and Jimi Hendrix are a, a synonym, and it's a leap. <laughs> but tequila came late to the game and revolutionized things, and I think that the electric guitar and Jimi Hendrix did the same thing. And you think about the two over time and it's like yeah that kind of makes sense so i named a drink the spanish castle magic because i think that's one oh, of nice. just a f- fiery hendrix tune and that's one of the drinks on our list right now that sells very well and what's in it it's uh reposado tequila uh pineapple juice um chipotle infused agave nectar and then on top i carbonate some oloroso sherry so you get this nice oh, cool fizzy smell it's like hendrix burning the guitar it's smell that that fire and then underneath is something sweet and hot very cool just like you damon (laughs) well thank you for thank you for (laughs) saying that um yeah man i mean like do you ever uh you said like you you found did you find the inspiration for that from the song or did you make the drink and then name it after spanish castle magic uh i mean the spanish part came from the oloroso um but there's certain like ways that drinks make me feel. I've always sort of categorized things in in this very convenient three C method. It's celebratory, conversational, or contemplation, and that's kind of always how I break down a menu. It's there's going to be the couple fizzy, easy celebratory drinks that aren't going to weigh you down. Then there's the conversational one that like sours and things like that that you can nurse for a little while. And then there's the contemplative drinks that if I walk into a place and I've had a rough day or I got something I need to think about, I got a book, whatever, and I just want the bartender to set something in front of me that I can sort of nurse and not be part of the social scene. That's the thing. And I, I kind of put music in the same light. You know, I love uh, soul and funk for the celebratory aspects of it. And I love, you know, moody whiny stuff too you know it, it makes me a little bit of a sissy but i like that too but i country music is all of those things so yeah that's true luckily we've got a, a genre that spans all three I, absolutely absolutely damn kevin it's been great having you on the show man um you'll have to be sure to come back sometime man it's been great talking to you and uh and you're doing the pop-up tonight and then any other day, Tuesday through Saturday, down at WD50, I'm behind the bar. So I would love for anybody to come check it out. We do two courses for 25 bucks at the bar, so it's a steal. Cool. Well, guys, go by and see Kevin Denton. 
WD50 and tonight, if you can make it by the pop-up, to celebrate, to conversate, and to contemplate, if you want. <laughs> Thanks again, Kevin, for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Damon. This has been the Speakeasy. We'll see you next week. And cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.